Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for March 8, 2022. Thank you for joining. I hope you're well. I'm recording this on Monday night, and I'm saying that because when you first, because it's going to matter for what I'm going to tell you. It's going to provide appropriate context, hopefully. When you hear it on Tuesday, if you are a stand-up comic who lives in Atlanta and you potentially want to host Limerick Junction tonight, raise your hand and let me know. Because this Monday night, as I'm recording this, my wife is sick. I am not sick, but my wife is sick and she is in a condition where she would not be able to host Limerick Junction. We were in Washington, D.C. over the weekend for a family gathering, my, uh, my nephew's one-year-old birth, one-year birthday, and apparently, like, half of the people who were at the event on Saturday have fallen ill with some sort of virus. There are a couple of doctors involved, so they're calling it a, do- and a, they're calling it a virus, um, but I think they're having some gastric upset, and they're... Um, pretty unfortunate. They thought it was food poisoning, and the doctors don't seem to think it was because lots of people have it, I guess. I guess because couldn't multiple people? It was bridesmaids. They all got fucking food poisoning, I think. Anyway, uh, I am feeling fine right now as I record this, but who knows what Tuesday will bring. I feel terrible for my wife and my other family members who have fallen ill. Other than that, it was a great trip to D.C. It was fun. We took the girl, of course. She didn't leave her at home. Um, we took the girl. We we were unaffected by, apparently the truckers were there. Not the drive-by truckers. The uh, I guess they do drive-by. and Flag-waving truckers. The Freedom Convoy was in the greater Washington area. But they did not cause us any inconvenience getting to the airport and getting back. And, you know, what's crazy is, as I talk about getting to the airport and getting back, it was just uh, a previous podcast or two when I was talking, referring to miscarriages. And I'm not going to talk about miscarriages, just to set the tone here. This is a, this is a, this is a comedy podcast. I told you that we don't talk about miscarriages enough. We don't talk about podcasts enough. We talk about podcasts way too much, and there's way too much fucking talking in this world. But I'm here doing it. I started doing it during the pandemic. I'm going to keep doing it. And I think it's been helpful in getting my act together. And maybe it's gotten me a few new supporters of my act. We don't talk about miscarriages enough. And that is, like I said on the previous episode... That literally the title of of our uh, of, a, of a podcast episode called "We Should Talk About This More," and yet when it happens to us, it is so sad and heavy and profound, and also leaves us greatly yearning to connect with other people who've been through the experience. You want to share? I don't know what the universal thing is for sharing hardship and, and grief. Uh, but you, you probably don't want to feel like you're alone. And so why do I bring that up at the beginning of a alleged comedy podcast? Well, because I was referring to our trip to D.C., getting in and out of the city. We were unaffected. I didn't know the truckers were going to be there. I didn't know that until we were actually at, 
my brother's house. I didn't didn't realize that the truckers were there. On the we landed in DC at Reagan National Airport, DCA. We went to the car service that we had ordered because we need a car seat and we didn't want to travel with our monster car seat. Car service has a seat. Guy picks us up, drives us from the airport to my brother's house. As we are loading in, and this is just to, to, to illustrate why, I don't know the format to talk about, po- to talk about podcasts. I know, I know that format. I don't know the format to talk about miscarriages or how we just like have a, a group to talk about them. And I guess... I guess I'm kind of talking about men talking about them because women, I imagine, you have your secret witchy ways of talking to each other about them. But men don't, to my ear, do it a whole lot until, you know, you find out that your buddy's been through it and you, you all of a sudden you talk about it for a night while you're walking around Manhattan after, you know, having a pint and a, half, a couple pints of Guinness. We're loading into the car outside the airport. The guy's nice, helping us with the bags. And he said, how was your flight? My wife and daughter are getting tucked into the front of the front of the vehicle. And he and I are in the back of the vehicle. And he says, how was your flight? And I said, you know, it was great. Thank you. Uh, and I alluded to the fact that we were traveling with a three-year-old <laughs> on an airplane. And we... She's great. She's a champ, you know, uh, doing her very best. She's doing her very best, and she's trying, and, you know, we have allotted time for this process. We're going to get to the airport. We're going to fuck around in the airport. Then we're going to sit on the plane for 20 minutes, and then we're going to take off, 30 minutes, whatever it is. Well, here's the catch. We were delayed through some mechanical bullshit. We sat on the airplane at the gate for an hour and a half before it taxied to take off. And as a parent, as you've heard me say on this before, and I'm not going to take you into the, <laughs> the excitement of having a toddler on a plane, you just don't budget for sitting at the gate with a toddler longer than the actual flight is going to take. Because a flight to D.C. from Atlanta is very, very, it's like an hour and 25 minutes. And we sat on the ground for an hour and a half. So we doubled the time of a toddler being on a plane, et cetera. And as the guy is loading in, loading our, our bags in at, at the at DCA curbside, I said, yeah, it was great. You know, we had a long delay, and I don't know if you have kids. And he said, uh, no, I don't. And does it matter what this man's ethnicity was? Does it matter? You tell me. I don't think it does. Or his his heritage, his background, what his name was. I don't think it does matter. There's just a man who's talking to another man. And I said, I don't know if you have kids. And he said, no, uh, you know, my wife and I, she was pregnant. And like, right, right, there you go. Like, right. Uh, and I, I was like, and, uh, and, and I kind of like made a look of concern. Like, yeah, man. And he goes, yeah, it, uh, but it it didn't work out. She uh, she lost the baby. And 
you know, there's no, I mean, I could give you a punchline in telling the story about like, uh, dude, I'm trying to load my bags, but I feel so strongly about this and, and I, I connect so literally, strongly, emotionally to it that uh, I, I didn't take both of my arms and put them on his biceps and say like, it's all right, dude. But um, I said, man, I'm sorry about that. It's terrible. Uh, I've been through it. And he said, yeah, it was uh, just it was just three months ago. She was pregnant for three months, and then she was not pregnant. She had a miscarriage, and it was very, very recent. I mean, that's three months. And uh, that illustrates how it illustrates the need to talk about it, how he was, I mean, there's a lot of times great safety in talking to a stranger about things. You can trust a stranger because they don't, you know, they don't really have a dog in the fight. So they're going to tell you the truth. They're going to be honest with you, that sort of thing. That's why comedy crowds are great. Which is why I don't, I very rarely play for a group of people who is there to exclusively see me. And I mean, I never play for a group of people that exclusively is in an audience to see me or makes up an audience to see me. But there are times where I know that uh, people have seen me and they might be favorably inclined to to me. But most of the times I'm playing for people who don't know until I'm headlining. And that is the that's going to be, you know, I was listening to someone who knows a lot more about podcasts talk about <laughs> what makes a compelling podcast. It sh- you should invest the listener in the fucking objective of what you're trying to achieve. And maybe I should be more clear about that. I'm trying to headline clubs across the country. That's what I want to do. I want to do it whether I'm living in Atlanta, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Buffalo, San Diego, Guadalajara. You get the idea. Never, ever will live in Texas. Ever. Never. Elon Musk is a a billionaire who doesn't share his money. But uh, more than that, <laughs> I know you fucking jerk-offs love him, so go ahead, blow him. Uh, what is he? He is a, a, a social liberal, but a fiscal conservative. Yeah, all right. That why he went to Texas? Is that not, that's not exactly the most socially liberal fucking place in the world. And he, he, he took Tesla there like five seconds after, uh, you know, Texas passed those handmaiden tales. Whatever, dude. It's it's Texas. That's the narrative, though. Headlining comedy clubs. That's the objective. Anything that that's what we're doing here. That's that's my pursuit. Headlining comedy clubs. And trying to make it to my daughter's thirtieth birthday. <laughs> those are the two primary objectives. So won't you join the Getting My Act Together podcast crew? including 15 underscore versus underscore. Anyway, that's the narrative, blah, blah, blah. Playing for unfamiliar crowds, going back to what brought that up, was this man was just talking to a stranger, like the honesty in doing that, and it it was moving. And we're at the back of the car. When we really should be loading it, we should be accelerating the load in because we now have a toddler who's like, all right, let's get to the next destination. And I I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, 
I'm a man's man. I'm a, you know, I'm a man's woman is a better way to say it. Is that? <laughs> Hopefully that. What I mean by that is I am a man who is capable of empathy. More, more typical, I suppose, of a female. That's not saying, you know what I'm saying. So when a man would say something like that, I'm like, I'm not the guy who's gonna be like, all right, bro, cool, yeah, that sucks, let's get in. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pause for a second and invest. Like, dude, yeah, man, it fucking sucks, and people around you just mean well. They say things that that they think is gonna sound good, that they think are gonna sound good, but but really have the opposite effect. They hurt more or they frustrate you more because like someone will say like, oh, you had a miscarriage. Oh, don't worry. You'll get it next. You'll get it. You'll, it'll work out next time. It's it's totally well-meaning. And for those of you who've been through this experience, you know that it's totally well-meaning. And people are trying to put a positive spin on something. But a couple things happen in saying, "You'll. that's okay. It'll work out next time. The first one that happens is, you, whether it works out or not, the the thing that it ha- that it that happened that miscarriage is its own event with its own rich context, with its own euphoria, with its own tears and sadness associated with it. So it stands on its own. It's unrelated to we'll get the next one, you know. And because of that, if someone says, oh, don't worry about it, you'll, no one says, don't worry about it. But I mean, if anyone says, it's all right, you'll, you'll get them next time, it, it kind of invalidates. So it, it doesn't recognize the thing as its own entity, and then it invalidates what you feel about it. Not intentionally, but, so I just said that to the guy, and I, I'm sorry, I, I, can I pull out of this? We'll see. We can talk about the Ukraine. <laughs> so it, it was just further proof, dudes. We need to talk about it. Maybe there are support groups for it. There probably are. And you know where they probably are? They're probably in uh, religious organizations. Because as much as I think it's preposterous that you believe in all this fantastical outer space bullshit or people having apparitions in caves or getting stabbed through the heart 77 times and coming back from the dead and all this just absurd shit. And also your judgment and hatred of others and the fact that you are responsible for all... Anyway, it is what it is. We are religion. But what I do know is there is a sense of community. I guess some people call it fellowship. Is that what that means? But there probably are lots of support groups for... Uh, men who have miscarriages or men who go through miscarriages. <laughs> Clark's back there like, dude, you just, uh, you miscarried your balls because you were talking uh, way too depressingly. Hello, Clarky. All right, moving on. Guess what happened in Washington, D.C.? Clarky, guess what happened? On Saturday, I took my daughter down to the local playground, down to a playground in, in my brother's neighborhood. 
and we were down there for probably an hour and a half. We did all the slides and the swings and hung out and talked to the homeless people and then talked to the you know people gentrifying the neighborhood. We had a great time. And then we played soccer, kicked the ball around. My daughter played out from the back as a she's like a sweeper keeper. <laughs> or yeah, keeper sweep sweeper keeper. And then we get back to my brother's house. My daughter and I were by our, like I said, whatever, hour and a half. And my wife had gone for a run and I'm sure showered like luxuriously, like washed her hair and dried it. Took her time because dad was dadding down at the park. As soon as we walk in the door from the park, my wife says, oh, hey, girl, how's it going? She says hello to me. And she says, guess what I found? And to be honest with you, I thought I thought what she meant was guess what she found when she was out on her on her run through DC. And usually when my wife finds something, it's it's of a food or drink variety or convenience store. And there was a seven eleven, right? We don't have seven elevens in Georgia, or at least we don't have them in Atlanta. Those of you who know what a 7-Eleven is know that they're like the fucking greatest. And my wife loves them. So I thought she was going to say we saw a 7-Eleven. Or for you people who live in Southern California or in California, wherever they're franchised, I thought she found a Wahoo's uh, fish taco bowl place. Wahoo's restaurant. So I thought she was going to say I found a Wahoo's. But before, you know, she didn't show me that she was super excited but the fact that she didn't let me guess at all what she found meant she was kind of excited she pulled out of her hand my wedding ring she found and I know you've been deeply invested in my whether it's uh, inattention for lack of sleep lack of cognitive bandwidth from being too busy uh, COVID fog toddler fog holiday fog, whatever it is, I know you're very, very invested in me, having smashed my car into my daughter's school, and also when we're on that nightmare trip to Miami, losing, or what I thought at the time, misplacing my wedding ring, my wedding band, and she pulled it out, she goes, I found this, I found this, and I was like, holy shit, she goes, yeah, I know, I think it's a really good sign, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess we're gonna stay together after all, <laughs> I thought we just signed a new five-year contract two nights ago, and now you're like, thank God we found this, she found my wedding band, which I have felt naked without, I have felt uh, sort of embarrassed, though, with plenty of rationale for how it could have possibly slipped off my finger. But I just felt like an amateur hour, dude. You lost your fucking wedding band? You've been married for 20 years. And I said, where was it? Dude, what happened? And she said, it was in her suitcase, at the in like a corner, underneath some other jewelry or something, that her watch or something she threw in it the night before. She threw in the bag the night before. And I 
What that means to me is, and this is the greatest part of the story, I think, for me personally. It's great. Apparently, I mean, in addition to the fact that it means I'm still married, but what that means is, listeners who remember me talking about the nightmare trip to Miami, when I was in that hotel room in Miami and I was chasing my daughter and trying to parent and trying to get over COVID and all that shit, having no sleep, no brain functioning really, or at least brain functioning like I'm accustomed to, I felt like in the moment I took my ring and I put it somewhere, which you I would do. Like if there's a bar of soap there and I'm going to wash my hands, I might take my ring off and set it down on the side and wash my hands with a bar of soap so the soap doesn't get the ring, all that sort of... Something happened in that hotel room that caused me to take off the ring and secure it. I will do that sometimes if I'm just talking. if I Or I'm, I'm I don't know what, I'm doing a podcast. I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm playing with the ring. I could take it off. I could set it down on the table. Just, it's it's part of what I'm doing. But that's not inattention. It's it's sort of unconsciously in, in my flow. So what I must have done while chasing my daughter, washing my hands, taking a shower with my daughter, taking a bath with my daughter, taking my daughter to the beach. Because I knew that I was not a fucking jerk-off that went to the beach and just bleh, lost his ring. Or went swimming and lost his ring. It just didn't add up to me. Knowing my, my strengths and my opportunities, my weaknesses. <laughs> so what I must have done was must have taken it off and set it into the suitcase, thinking it was my own suitcase. Our, our, I mean, our, whatever, your carry-ons. They're suitcases, you know what I mean. The, the, the over, they go in the overhead. They're carry-ons, but they're suitcases. And instead of sticking it in my own, I stuck it in my wife's suitcase, and there it lived for two months. It was there for two months, and she, she's been. She went. I told you the other night. She was going to uh, an exp- expensive city with good-looking people with money. She went to New York, and I, I think that might have been the only trip she has taken since with that suitcase. But that suitcase has been trundled up and down the stairs to the basement it's been packed it's flown back from miami it's flown to new york back to atlanta packed unpacked and then packed again flown to washington dc and that's where the ring revealed itself and my goodness am i excited excited about the fact like i said most important to me is i didn't just lose my ring it was misplaced. That's what it was. It was misplaced. And that's different than losing it. So I hope I hope you I hope you're very happy for I hope you're happy for me because I'm thrilled this fucking ring I've had for twenty years is uh, back on my finger. And today I took my car in <laughs> to the auto body place. So I still have to leave the car there for several days. Neighbor who listens, used to listen. He, I can tell he doesn't listen to the podcast anymore. Well, And if I were listening to tonight's podcast, I wouldn't really listen to it either. But you know what? There are lots of people who do, 
and you are the ones that I fuck with, and I appreciate. And I even fuck with the people that don't listen to it. But this is what I mean. I can tell neighbor who used to, I should call him neighbor who used to listen to the podcast, who came last week to the Laughing Skull Lounge and had a bonanza, like, birthday. <laughs> he had a big birthday celebration at the Laughing Skull last Wednesday. I am not mad at him for not listening. But I can tell that he does not, or I don't think he does. Some people are cagey about it, like I've told you before. Like, they make it known they listen, but like they don't want you to know that. As I've told you numerous times, some people are embarrassed to listen to it. And then some people kind of make it seem like they listen to it or they're aware of it, but they don't listen to it. Who fucking cares? Neighbor who listens to the podcast, or used to listen to the podcast, was nice enough this afternoon to pick me up. I drove my car down, dropped it off. It's going to be there for several days, and it's going to get the goddamn bumper fixed. I'm coming back. I told you, changes coming round. If you can host Limerick tonight, let me know. doesn't mean the podcast is over, but if you can host Limerick tonight, let me know. I'm, I plan on doing it. I hope to be able to do it. I'm, I'm actually not even going to sleep in the same bed as my wife tonight. I'm going to stay out on the couch. I'm not going to stay in the basement and sleep because I have a, I'm a, there's a child up there I need to secure. But I'm going to, I'm, I hope to be at Limerick tonight for a great show. But if, <laughs> if you're like, dude, I would love to host Limerick, put me on the backup list, send me a message via Instagram, or if we're like that, text me and let me know. Because the lineup, again, surprise, surprise, who's on it? Madeline Evans, Taylor Neely, m- making his Limerick debut. Trey Moe. I mean, Google these people. Like they're, It's fucking Limerick, dude. Madeline Evans, Taylor Neely, Trey Moe, Pierre Escargot, Big Ed Easy is on, and Nicole Blue is closing out the damn show. It is going to be a barn burner. I am not going to be at the Laughing Skull, my usual Wednesday night destination with all those TikTok clips you see me posting, because I am, I believe, closing, featuring, whatever you call it, going last, and doing a half an hour. If you want to see me do it, come see, this will be fun, come see me do a half an hour. I'll do a half an hour at, what is the fucking name of it? Clark just stretched and looked up. It's on my Instagram. What is the name of it? It's a distillery in downtown Atlanta. A great show run by Craig Miller and Amy Amy Brown. But what's the name of the distillery? Oh, I got it. I got it. I just waited. Old Fourth Distillery is what it's called. Old Fourth Distillery and they have converted the part of the the kettles or the however you however you moonshine legally moonshine into a great comedy show because it's tight there's lots of people there and they're all attentive and you know what they're not fucked up they're like polite drinkers at least when they're in there so they're attentive and they're having a good time but it's not like let's go brandon <laughs> dude you can yell that out to me. I told you that, but it doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't fucking worship Biden. I don't I don't really give a shit. Like 
I don't care about him as much as you care about your man. So whatever, dude. Live your live your life. But I'm going to do a half an hour closing out that show on Wednesday. Old Fourth Distillery is what it's called. Old Fourth Distillery. I think Ngozi and Olivia Joy Steele are also on the show. So I look forward to doing that. But Limerick is Tuesday. It's free. You know that. It's going to be a great show with Nicole Blue closing out. And I got my wedding ring back. God damn it. And I think about my friend who drove us to my brother's house in the Suburban and how he he was so sad. He was professional, but he was so sad that he uh, that he was in that situation. He was so sad that his wife had a miscarriage. And, I, and, I, and he, like I said, he broached it with me. And I said, dude, that sucks. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I even said what I'm saying to you and I've said to you previously. It's, it's worse. Everything in the world, by the way, is worse for the woman. But I said to him, I think it's, there's this additional challenge for men because when we go through it our first or at least if you're fucking a good man. If you're not Vladimir Putin. And by the way, why haven't we seen more pictures of Putin's chicks? Who? Because you would think that's like strong arm 101. Like, look at these bitches. Dude, what if Putin were gay? It would change the whole... It explains why Russia hates gay people so much. <laughs> it's just a lot of fear and loathing in the mirror. But where are his ladies? Where, like... Who is, who, who, I don't know. But it was clear that this guy was going through it. And I was like, dude, yeah, I know. Um, the additional burden or whatever, different burden that men feel versus women is your first instinct, I think, should be to, um, Take care of your partner. Take care of the the person who actually experienced the physical loss in addition to the tremendous uh, psychological loss. And by the way, my wife and any female who's gone through that listening, I'm just speaking on what I suppose you experience, right? But what also, so our, our instinct is to protect. And, and I think if you're at least half-assed, good man, protect, take care of, support. But what that, but also what that I don't think it quite enables you to do is process your own experience and feeling about it and what it has done to you because immediately you're the first responder. And I told that, that was the last thing I told that dude when he let us out and my my daughter and wife walked ahead of me as I was like dude I know it's it's kind of like if one you have to bear on your own and then you compi- you add to that the we never fucking talk about this and we just fist bumped but I almost fucking hugged him but we we fist bumped and I said hey you know we're going to go back to the airport on Sunday if you want to take us and he said yeah that that'd be great I can do that and he said, just let me know what time. And so 
on Saturday. I told him the time that we wanted to be at the airport. Right after I asked my brother, like, how long does it take to get to the airport from here? And he said, ah, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And when I told the guy that I wanted to be at the airport at X time, he said, cool, I'll pick you up exactly that number of minutes or the same amount of minutes that my brother told me in advance. I didn't, I, like, let's say he said, my brother said it'll take 20 minutes to get to the airport. The guy said, uh, and you want to be there at 11.45? The guy's like, okay, I'll pick you up at 11.25. He was like, spot on. All right, uh, this is not interesting. I, I get it. I mean, this part of the... Now Clark is carving... Clark's not even interested. He's carving up a welcome mat to lie down on it. a kid. And I respected this driver so much that I just gave him the time. I said, this is the time I want to be there. And he's like, great, I will see you tomorrow. And I said, thanks so much. And I did not resend the address. I didn't say, hey, just making sure you're coming. And you know what? He was outside at the fucking second that he said he would be there. And we got to the airport and got home. All right. Have a great have a great week. I hope everything is well. I'm sorry that fucking there's this Paul hanging over the world, but this is the world we live in. And come to Limerick where we will talk some shit and then come uh, on Wednesday night. Wednesday the 9th. Wednesday, March 9th. Come over to Old Fourth Distillery. I'm taking a night off from the Laughing Skull. Andrew George is going to host in my stead. I'm going to do a half an hour at the whiskey at Old Fourth Distillery. All right. Have a great week. Thank you for listening.